0: Meow. Hello, YouTubers and Random Doctor Who fans. It's me, Ozzy, one part of the Mono Supreme YouTube channel. Today, here on the Mono Supreme podcast, joined with Richard Lloyd. Hello, Richard. How... Hello,
1: everybody. It's uh, lovely to be here. Thank you for having me. Excellent. We're, we're very happy to have you on. Uh, so we'll just jump straight into it. So we'll just an uh, uh, introduction to your channel, who you are, what you're about. Hmm. Okay. Um. Well. Uh, yeah. I was. <laughs> I was saying to you the other day that like I don't really know what my channel is at the moment because I've I've just finished university and so I've not been paying much as much attention to it and like doing as much stuff on there recently. Uh, so it, it's a bit of a, a hodgepodge of different stuff and sporadic uploads. Uh, hopefully that's about to change though going forwards. But in terms of what it has been in the past, um, I started off back in twenty fourteen with Figure Adventures. Well. I say figure adventures, but they weren't like stop motion or anything. They were just very basic images and text, not even voice recordings on top or anything. Um, All the text was like on little captions at the bottom. So fairly primitive figure adventures. Um, I then sort of proceeded on to slightly less primitive figure adventures uh, in the following years, interspersed with other stuff like reviews, uh, discussion videos, increasingly um, uh, sort of in more recent years. Um, I've done a lot of collaborations with Miles Taylor of Tailored Vision uh, in recent years as well. That's probably the most kind of, the one like constant in the past few years on the channel. Um, I've also done a series about the music of uh, the most recent era of Doctor Who, uh, Sagan work. Uh, so yeah, those are probably the most, the things that I would say people... Probably associate my channel with at the moment but as I say uh, it's it's in a bit of a mess at the moment and again just as well like since 2014 I've done so much different stuff I've dabbled with all sorts really uh, but all of it themed around Doctor Who just to bring it back to some some uh, little simple answer for you there so yeah Doctor Who content of, of various different descriptions
0: Wait, wait, before you go anywhere, don't forget to like and subscribe. Really helps get this video out there. Gets uh, it to reach many more people. Helps the YouTube algorithm. So, why am I wearing a Matt Smith costume in this video? Well, we have a Matt Smith comedy sketch coming out tomorrow. It's totally worth your time, it, we put a lot of work into it, and we'd really appreciate it if you go and check that out. So, um, hit subscribe, and then you'll be the first to know about it. Excellent. I mean, was it the goal from the beginning to do Doctor Who, or...
1: Mm, yes it was that there, there wasn't ever anything else to be honest like just in my life in general there hasn't <laughs> been anything else really like to compare
0: same with Doctor same.
1: Who and certainly not on, on in terms of for YouTube so yeah and like along the way I've dabbled with other stuff a tiny bit but um yeah like I've always stuck to Doctor Who that's always been the thing and it it always will be yeah
0: so you're talking about the journey of your channel so what what would you say are highlights and lowlights? Uh, any videos that you're extremely proud of and any videos which you just cringe and just cannot watch?
1: Okay, interesting. Um, well, actually, as it happens, yesterday I stumbled upon uh, some of my old stuff. I was watching one of my old videos. It was a review of the Into the Dalek time zone uh playset from the 3.75 inch range. I was just watching and, about Sex um, and One
0: last night, yeah. <laughs>
1: Yes, that that was exactly the same. I was, I was watching that, and then I somehow ended up on mine. I, that's right. I think it's because in the comments section of that video, and this makes me cringe as well, in the comments section of Vote Saxon's video, I'd put, oh, I did a review. Come and check it out. Mm. Um, oh, dear. Anyway, so I clicked the link, and I watched that again, and my voice was a lot higher pitched. The editing was a mess because, like, you could hear... I must have had like computer fans on in the background or something. And you, and you can hear every time I cut the audio, they, like it's a really abrupt cutting off of, of that noise. Um, and it's just not smooth or anything at all. So stuff from sort of that era, I mean, that was like 2015. Um, I would say to be honest, anything, I don't know, anything before 2017 is a bit like, yeah. Still um, figuring it out. Yeah, Maybe. and even then, I mean, I sort of still feel like that to this day a bit, to be honest. But in terms of, like, puberty and stuff and, and, and the higher-pitched voice, um, that that is a problem with a lot of the early stuff, uh, looking back um, and, and like, attention to detail. and But then you kind of learn as, as you go on. So at the same time, like, I was kind of thinking to myself when I was watching that, I was like, shall I privatise this and, like, some other old stuff? But then I thought, you know what? I'll just leave it up because it's part of the part of the journey, isn't it? It's part of how how you uh, you you got to the point you are, and of course, you're still gonna keep going and hopefully, hopefully, get even better. Um, but in terms of high points, I mean, I guess the highest points in terms of success, if we can call it that, um, is like when I've done more mainstreamy stuff, like my series. 10 reviews did pretty well and like around that sort of time, uh, 2017, um, I, I guess was when I sort of worked out how to, I suppose, like market stuff, like how to get seen and how to get viewed. I mean, again, that you can never really know that for sure. But like, I, I, there are certain things you can do like if you do certain types of videos, like I think over the summer of twenty sixteen or seventeen, I did loads of top tens and stuff, and that's just like an instant thing because people search up for that, uh, you know, on YouTube. So those got a lot of views, and like to this day, they've they've sort of slowed down a bit now, um, but they were like my sort of big earners in, in terms of monetization as well. They were like just going on for years in the background. Um, they they really kind of paid dividends in that sense, both both literally and just metaphorically as well. Uh, in terms of views and stuff, but um, yeah, I, I guess I guess that would be. It. I mean, and in recent years, I suppose the stuff that I've wanted to do myself like the more niche stuff hasn't necessarily aligned with um, you know what, what I could do and, and what would be more successful. Um, I mean let's take another example the, I did some series 12 themed videos which did quite well um but then yeah like it's that thing you you have to sort of make yourself a bit mainstream to to do that you have to kind of um sort of adapt yourself and perhaps lose a bit of yeah your your own interests and your own sort of personality and individuality in order to kind of get more views and stuff so it yeah it's definitely something that i i don't kind of like everyone sets out to get seen and to get views and stuff but um like increasingly in recent years I don't know it I've become sort of less inclined to just automatically like go for those those easy options I suppose um but then I I say that and like still it is a bit of a mystery to this day like how to get views You, you can put something up which you put loads of effort into and it doesn't get seen very much at all and then you can just put something else up which you know you didn't think was very good or whatever and it, and it just skyrockets so it's it's a mystery really um but yeah there there have been there have been many highs and lows and I would say as well that yeah like even to this day I'm still experimenting still working it out to be honest yeah
0: right well that's fair enough because um yeah. We were talking before about the the YouTube trying to not necessarily exploiting the algorithm, but trying to get optimized mm. like the search results and stuff. Is there still place right now for the uh, the more niche kind of things? Can can a channel make it when they don't do plot leaks and all this kind of stuff? Because it does kind of feel mm. like that's the only thing which gets any kind of traction at the moment, and.
1: I don't yeah. know. There was
0: like a classic who resurgence last year, but I kind of feel like it's kind of died down a little bit.
1: All right. Um,
0: when I put classic stuff out, it's not really doing much. Mm. It's kind of stayed.
1: Yeah, and no, I know what you mean. Because um, it's like, as I was saying to you before, I, I think a lot of the stuff that does well these days is stuff with a negative spin on it. So, stuff like where the thumbnail is, did it suck? Like, you're. And even if the video itself isn't particularly negative, I feel like the channels that do that sort of stuff have to put a negative spin on in order to get seen, in order to get clickbait, whatever. Um, so, no, unfortunately, I, I would probably say that really, yeah, I, I, I don't think there is a place for the more niche stuff at a higher level. But then then again, I mean, some, some people do make it, I suppose. I, I guess it's just really sticking out something and um if you can just stick yeah stick at it and d- develop that niche and and make a sort of name for yourself doing a certain series or whatever or or the one thing you you can sort of guarantee good views for and good attention and stuff is either the stuff that has a negative spin on it or the stuff that's like leak um series 13 news rumors uh a lot of which you know, I've seen people who've done those sorts of videos and a lot of it doesn't turn out to be true, obviously. Um, and like, yeah, you could just say, oh, well, it's part of the fun to speculate and to dissect every single rumor from every single Reddit thread and whatever. But at the same time, that's not something that personally I really want to be doing myself. Like, while on the one hand, yeah, that that kind of stuff could do quite well um, if your heart's not in that. And to be honest, how how could it be, really? You know, if <laughs> you just—I mean, if everyone's saying the same thing out of nothing, mm. if
0: if everyone reports on the same Reddit posts, uh, it's well, yeah. why should I bother doing it? Uh, I, 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 that's exactly. the reason I don't do it because I just don't really have a spin on any of it because I kind of mm. just take dot who as it comes now. I'm not hypercritical yeah. about it as as much as I used to yeah. be, uh, and I don't read into it anyway near yeah, as much. Um, Yeah, it's always been this, I don't know whether it's like a a misconception. I mean, Doctor Who has always been well-written, but there are some classics which you can very easily pick apart, and I feel like people are very precious about certain classics. I I don't know whether that's coming across right, but for example, Blink, I do like that story, but you can sit down and pick the hell out of it, I find. (laughs) There's so many plot holes with it. But you can just sit down and just kind of enjoy it because obviously it's just a nice little Mm. short horror piece and that's kind of what I take the Chibnoy era as a little bit obviously things like uh, I wasn't a fan of Revolution and I kind of made a point of saying that but I did understand what it was going for in terms it was it was just fun trying to pick up the fun again and yeah it kind of felt like when I saw like people's reviews from, I don't know, Nerdrotic and all those kind of things, which I I just, sometimes I just watch not because I agree or anything, just to see what they're saying. Mm, Yeah, exactly. And they were picking a lot of stuff about it, and it's like, wait, I I didn't even see that in the episode, like, uh, (laughs) yeah.
1: It's just making something out of nothing, isn't it? I I guess, and like, yeah, being overly, it's just like spending too much, like, spending too much time on something like like, you know, get a life get, get something yeah, else to do um, and to, to say yeah, all the said, people
0: you... who sorry all the people who work on it behind the scenes no. who put in so much effort and then they mm. see a review of it and all they're doing is criticising uh, the writing or something when there's so many different areas to production and so many people <laughs> who put in work and i i i can imagine it really hurts to be someone who's worked on dot two and then watch a review
1: oh yeah oh definitely yeah yeah i i would say so um but the, like, as you say you, you can be uber critical or uber like praiseworthy of, of any episode really um and they' are all a bit naff in their own way i mean i, I guess it's just because of like in terms of the just demands on the production team and in terms of time as well, you know, it's never going to be the finished article or the, the most perfect thing ever. And then the budget restrictions and everything. Um, and it's, it's easy to lose sight of that or, or just, yeah, like willfully ignore it and just pick something to shreds for the hell of it. Cause it'll get views and, you know, um, yeah, I mean, it's sort of doc- part of Doctor Who's charm, but it, it's not, all perfect and that the writing is a bit naff or like not even naff but just like i don't know because like i i kind of get people when like people criticize chibnall's writing saying oh it's exposition heavy or like the characters think out loud or whatever i I don't know like yes but also doctor who has sort of always been a bit like that especially in the classic era or like not even just in the classic era but like in in any era i mean there's, there's similar sort of issues or different sort of issues. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess it's just part of being a Doctor Who fan really, and Doctor Who fans are always going to find something to complain about, so I mean, it's I think, sort of inevitable, yeah, sadly, isn't it?
0: But. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting point about the exposition stuff. Do you think that's yeah. merely a curse of the 50-minute formula, though? Because I feel the classic era was probably able to get away with it a bit more because it was sped over <laughs> four to six parts, oh, okay. and you could get deeply invested, where I feel like... When it's, I won't say bite-sized, but when it's, uh, I don't know, more mainstream, more mass consumerism kind of mm. format, expedition just kind of clog it up a little bit. Uh, but it does has it, it has its place, obviously. Uh, expedition, yeah, heavy stuff. But series I mean, I eleven think for me, it was Chibnall just a little in bit particular, too
1: much. Well, mm, I, I, what I would say is that I, I think. I don't know how much of it is intentional and isn't. I mean, I know that with Jodie, because of, like, the actress that Jodie is, the type of actress that Jodie is, and also the type of Doctor that they want 13 to be, there is... I think there's a lot of intentional thinking out loud sometimes. Like, if you think about an episode like The Swanger Conundrum, where the Doctor is sort of, like... The Doctor is always sort of making it up as they go along, any Doctor in any episode or whatever. But like I mean, more. this guy
0: does it quite a lot. <laughs> Matt Smith. <laughs> yeah. He's kind of guilty of saying his mind. So. Yeah,
1: exactly, and uh, that that is something which they've sort of especially like run with with thirteen. I think, and I, I don't know. I I wonder sometimes because like the bit that springs out to me is like, is in that episode of the Sun Conundrum when she's talking about um, hope and hope not just appearing automatically and manifesting itself automatically. You have to kind of work at it and make it a reality and stuff and. Uh, there's some quote like that and when she's talking with uh madly the 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 nurse woman and i don't know i wonder whether part of that is like to do with on a meta level to do with like the challenge of doctor who like is that just the predicament of chris chibnall like trying to work to make this script a reality trying to bring it onto the page and you know get it done and come on and um I, yeah, I I wonder whether I don't know. I wonder how much of it is intentional and isn't. And but yeah, there's a part of me that wonders whether whether that is sort of a reflection of the challenges of 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 writing the show because because it, it's hard and like. Um, but there's also like in other episodes, like something like *Ranks* in the UK, where the narrative sort of. They, they take advantage of the fact that they've got the like, the, the four core characters in, in in the core cast and like the, the narrative sort of like in a Jane adventures episode or something that the narrative sort of unfolds over like between them and they all kind of come together and just in terms of the way the narrative is like relayed to the viewer like yeah it may I don't know, it may seem a bit exposition heavy it may not work necessarily but I think there is a a logic to it, perhaps in, in terms of how how that happens, and, and particularly when the doctor is thinking out loud as she as she often does in this incarnation. Part of me, yeah, I guess what I'm trying to say is part of me wonders whether that is like Chibnall sort of thinking out loud for better or for worse. Yeah, I mean, with that it. point really, but. No, it's an interesting way of putting it. yeah,
0: yeah. I, I can understand that uh, definitely. Hmm. I mean, linking to that point, yes, uh, what. What is next for Doctor Who? Where, what's not going to do with it? What do we want him mm. to do with it and what do we think he's going to do with it? Because I want... Um, I don't know whether I want him to bring more old characters back or not. Because I feel like uh, the nostalgia thing kind of, again we talked about this before, mm. maybe it's a little bit mistimed in the fact that maybe the Rusty Davises fans need to kind of have kids grow up a little bit and then settle into that kind of nostalgia. Um, Yeah, I kind of feel like he's leaning Mm. a bit heavy on the Rusty Davis stuff when, I don't know. Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I I can see that, definitely. I mean, because we were saying as well that both of us, uh, on a personal level, prefer Series 11 over 12, don't we? Yeah. I think, for me, part of that is... Yeah, apart from that, I I liked Series Eleven in its own right, and I like what it was doing, and I think it knows what it's doing more than Series Twelve. Um, part of it is also the fact that Series Twelve does lean on the nostalgia a lot more. I mean that there's stuff like the Timeless Child thing, which kind of balances that fairly nicely, I think, because it's like um, like turning to the past, but also adding a new a, a new aspect or a new dimension to the Doctor's past. Um, but stuff like bringing Captain Jack back, which obviously now is, is hugely controversial given the uh, the sort of events of the last sort of few weeks. Um, but even at the time people were saying that, you know, when he came back in fugitive and then revolution, um, like, you know, it, it's great to see him again, but what is he adding to the story here? And also like, why are we bringing, bringing back him Rather than like making our own Captain Jack or River Song character for this era, because you know obviously we had Captain Jack for the RTD era, we had River Song for the Moffat era. There's not like a, an equivalent character for Chibnall now, and I think oof, they've perhaps sort of in light of what's been happening with John Barman recently, that they've perhaps shot themselves in the foot a little bit there, because they had the chance to like make a Captain Jack River Song character and introduce them over series eleven and or twelve. Uh, and instead, they they just brought Jack back uh. and didn't really. Do <laughs> so yeah. <anything> with him. <laughs> mm, yeah, exactly. On both on both occasions. So I think, and yeah, like I, I didn't really have strong feelings either way. Like when he when he came back both times, like yeah, it was nice to see him, but at the, yeah, at the same time, he didn't do much as you, as you say. And I think that like Jack is the worst example of that because. There's other stuff that has happened, like bringing the Jadoon back, I think that worked quite nicely. Or I'm just trying to think of other examples. I mean, I think now, Chibnall probably, did, a, in series a, 12.
0: He did a really good job with the Cybermen. I think he's probably done the best. Oh, yeah. Yeah. A shard has probably been the best thing to happen to the Cybermen since, mm. I don't know, Spare Parts with Big Finish or something like that.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. I get you with that. And also, I love... What do you think of what we did with The Master as well? Did you like that? Or? I...
0: If I'm being honest, no. I'm kind of a bit fed up with <laughs> okay. the... Uh, I'm fed up with the Joker betrayal. Right, um,
1: yeah, yeah. I can see that. The Joker
0: wannabe, that. because, I mean, stop copying Heath Ledger. Like, let Heath Ledger be the, the best goddamn villain on, on screen and just leave it at that. Um, <laughs> but no, I want, I want The Master to be cunning again. I want him to stroke his beard. They were starting to do that with. John I know what Sim. you mean.
1: I know what you mean. Yeah. I mean, I do. I I do quite like Sasha myself, but I know what you mean with with that. Like, yeah, it would be nice to have a sort of older master again, and more like in the vein of Delgado and more sort of.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, I do like how they added me. a bit more dimension to uh, the character. Mm. What with I don't know, you just felt like he was in pain and just suffering because of what yes. he found out about thirteen. Yeah. I like exactly. that. But I mean, in typical Chivnall fashion, I kind of would have liked to have seen that a little bit more explored. I would have liked to actually seen him destroy Gallifrey and maybe in flashbacks and stuff where you actually see the rage and stuff. And I've got, I've kind of got a video coming out about the expansiveness of Doctor Who. And I feel like the biggest issue with it at the moment is the fact that it just, it kind of just dips its toe in the water and doesn't really go full on with its ideas. And, uh, I don't know, I'd just love to see it do just wacky stuff like that. Instead of just telling me that uh, Gallifrey's been destroyed, I'd like to see that as an arc or something. Maybe the Doctor's just trying to stop the Master from doing it or something like that. And then he achieves okay, yeah. he achieves it, and then it's like, oh my God, what's happened? And then maybe a Rusty Davis ending where they press the reset button and solve it or something. <laughs> I don't know. Just hmm. something more than we got.
1: Because, well, of course, actually, me you saying that again reminds me that, of course, Gallifrey being gone again is, like, another sort of repetition in the cycle of, of Doctor Who, the, the overarching narrative. And, like, I don't know. I guess some of it, like, with the nostalgia and stuff and repeating old ideas a bit, and some of it is inevitable to a certain extent. Um Like, I, I guess they sort of run out of options, like, especially when... As we was as you were sort of saying, alluding to our previous conversation about like how, you know, I I was saying to you that I think obviously it's going to take another sort of reset when the people that watched Rose and Series One and Series Two and et cetera are old enough to have had their own kids, and there'll be another sort of surge of nostalgia then, like nationwide, wide nostalgia for Doctor Who in a way that you can't really. Force that, uh, especially when it's been back for so long now, Uh, and like I, I am a big fan of the Chamberlain in a lot of ways, and like I'm certainly not one of the people that that wants to like tread on anything. But this is just like, like whatever era it was now, I'd be be saying the same thing. I think like just because you sort of run out of options, and and even if you try and do new stuff with it, I, I guess. Yeah, because there's all these old, not old, but like the, since 2005, there's all these other seasons to compare it to and to say, oh, oh it was better then or whatever, or I don't know, or, or just all these old characters and, and arcs and narratives and things to rely on and to repeat or whatever. Or, or, or even if you're not consciously repeating them, they're, they're there, so it looks like you're repeating them. Um, Like with the Gallifrey thing, maybe, you know, like you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. Um, so mm, yeah, I, I, it's tricky I mean, I, I would say myself that I don't know I, I think it's more the case that they're sort of, they're victims of that the production team as opposed to them actively doing anything but then like, you look at something like Jack and to be honest that was just a bit meaningless really and it, and it looks like the further we get away from it, the the more it looks like just a, a desperate attempt to sort of recapture some some of the like RCD era hype. Um, I don't want to say the word success because that implies something which is 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 not quite what I'm going for here. But just like, because yeah, like I like the Chibnall area, but at the same time, hmm. I, I I don't know the, 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 there is definitely an aspect of that, and, and I I think it's sort of unavoidable and. I don't really know what they could do about it, to be honest, I mean, I, I don't know.
0: Okay, so we're back from the the brief intermission. I've taken my jacket off because I was absolutely sweating like crazy. So um, good choice, Oscar, four layers. Um, but anyway, so I just wanted to ask you, Richard, apart from Doctor Who, what what would you like to do with your life? What Where do you see yourself in, I don't know, 10 years? Do you see yourself being in the industry? Uh, that kind of stuff. And what projects have you done which aren't Doctor Who?:
1: Okay, um, Well, my ambition is to write for television eventually. I don't if that ever happens, I don't know when it'll be, probably a long way off yet, to be honest, because um, it's difficult. but um, yeah, like, and I mean, on the one hand, doing Doctor Who would be the dream? Uh, on the other it would sort of you would be subjecting yourself like all the stuff we talked about about fans already like you would be subjecting yourself to all of that and it would be a bit surreal for better and for worse I think just like, like actually being responsible for it so I've got mixed feelings about about that I mean if the offer came I would obviously say yes but it, it would be difficult and I'm aware of that um but no apart from that I, I don't know, just, like, I want to write Doctor who type things, or, like, stuff that deals, like, with that sort of ordinary, extraordinary, like, meeting of worlds, um, which Doctor Who does so well, um, and the stuff, because I've been studying English literature and creative writing at university, and, and the stuff I've done as part of the course for that, like, especially the most recent thing I've done, um, it kind of pushes on that quite hard. It's like, it's basically Doctor Who meets student life and like university life, meshing those two things together, um, which came quite naturally to me. And that's something that I think could work quite well uh, with further development. Um, So, yeah, there's that, I suppose. And just, I don't know, really just in terms of, what I want to write about, um, hmm. I guess I'm still working that out, but a lot of it is is what I've said already, that's sort of about student life maybe, or just about bringing those Docs Who sensibilities to other like, ordinary scenarios and, and things in real life. I mean,
0: I'm picturing class, but good. <laughs>
1: Oh, I wish. I wish. Well, I had to write one episode, or like most of an episode uh, for like one of my final assignments. So I'm just, I'm hoping and praying it's good because it's been sent off now and I can't change it. But yeah, no, that that is it basically. That that I would like to do something like that. And I don't know if there's a market for that, like doing something set on a university campus because there's so much stuff set at schools, like comedies and dramas and things. And I don't know whether that's more marketable, but I feel like more stuff about student life would be kind of cool because it's there's a lot of untapped potential there i think okay. serious stuff not just like parodies uh about students because there's plenty of that and like taking the mick or sort of like stereotypes about students um and just like what what that whole experience of going to university is like and just the morality of it so I guess that's where I'm at, but in terms of stuff I've actually done, there's not a lot yet, um, but I have sort of, I've collaborated with Miles on one short film already, Bye Bye Benji. Which is really uh, good, by the way, everyone should go and it. Awesome. Yes. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Um, I did the, the score for that and the camera work for that, um, and yeah. I'd like to do more stuff like that, you know, in, in the future, I think, uh, I'll just, I don't know, really just, I mean, I guess it's sort of breaking in, ho- hopefully breaking into the, the industry a bit. I mean, but in terms of what's next, I, I don't, I don't really know. Um, but yeah, the writing is something I'd like to pursue, I think, and just, and yeah. And, and sort of films and television and stuff. I I definitely want to do television over films if if I can eventually get there. Um I feel like there's there's more to be said for like series long narratives and stuff like that and episodic stuff. Um that's okay. that's definitely where I'm at. So that's the ambition.
0: <laughs>
1: nice, nice, nice. <laughs> that's the ambition.
0: Yeah. I mean, I was always uh the kind of guy who's I'm either Doctor who or nothing. Uh, But to be honest, the past couple of years have really opened my eyes in the fact that if I want to actually collaborate with people, I need to put myself in uh, spaces where I'm not comfortable. Uh, I mean, I've been doing a lot of, um, trying a lot of self-improvement stuff as well, uh, just personally. And the whole thing, just about life in general, is just putting yourself in zones which you're not comfortable with. Because if you don't do that, you're not going to learn. Like, for example, my editing now, I feel like it's got better uh, because I've been watching tutorials and gone to uni, speaking to different people, and I would never have done that back in 2018. I was so stubborn and so dead set on my ways. (laughs) Uh, And I want to just slap myself in the back of the head because, ah, so stubborn. Um, But yeah, Um, I'm sure you're aware that you're going to have to write stuff you don't want to write to get to a the place you want to get to.
1: Oh God. Yeah. Um, yeah. and like even, even when it comes to writing stuff that you do want to write, like it, it's, it's terribly difficult because you've got, you've sort of got something you want to say, or it might not even be as sort of simplified as that, as like a particular message or anything, but like you've got a feeling or something that you want to kind of communicate or lots of different feelings. And you've got to get that down onto paper. Um, which is really difficult. You've got to format that into a narrative and into something which is like potentially marketable and is going to do well um, and and sort of argue the case for why that story should be told. And Obviously, I've not done this in a, in a professional setting, yet I've only had experience of doing this for university, which is a different kettle of fish because the stuff you write for university doesn't actually go anywhere it's just submitting stuff and getting a grade back which is 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 not so great Um, but yeah that's definitely how I I think of it now and and as you say yeah it does involve sort of having to do stuff you don't want to do necessarily or or sort of I suppose taking your own ideas and inevitably having to kind of compromise them and and sort of Oh yeah, definitely. And mold them into into something which which matches other people's expectations and intentions. and it, it's a uh, a messy thing, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, a big, a massive
0: fear for me is um, mm. not being in control. Because, uh, take for example, either Spider Man Three. Uh, have you seen Spider Man Three?
1: I'm not into all that sort sort of stuff. I'm okay. afraid. But well, uh, I'll give you a little I'll bit of a your backstory work.
0: on that. Um, <laughs> okay, Sam Sam Raimi, the director. I mean, I'm kind of paraphrasing, uh, loose knowledge, but um, he didn't really want there to be that many villains in the movie, but uh, the studio, Sony, came along and said, oh, no, you need Venom, you need Sandman, you need all of this stuff in it. And I kind of worry when I become a creative in the industry, if I ever get there, that my ideas are just going to be shredded by the overheads, Mm. and it's such a scary prospect. I mean, even Neil Gaiman with uh, Nightmare and Silver, because he wanted to do the invasion of Cybermen, but then... Uh, Moffitt and his crew said oh no we need these new really fast Cybermen we need them to be more powerful than ever I mean I don't know whether that was Moffitt's idea or whatever but you could definitely tell there was a lot of studio interference and it's a very scary yeah. prospect
1: hmm. Hmm. no I, I know exactly what you mean and I, I guess the like the overriding thing is like because you yeah as I say you you have your own ideas and it's about like finding that niche and it's, it's about it being marketable at the end of the day. It's about making something, which is or writing something or making whatever that is going to make money like for a company. Like that's at the end of the day that, and you have to sort of format your ideas into that. Um, but, you've again, really got to, pathetically, not from yeah. experience, but um, you've got to
0: know what you're getting into uh, with mm, any kind of industry. Yes. Really.
1: Yeah. It's, it's difficult, isn't it? Yeah. That's yeah. highs and lows. Um, so, that's that's what I'm setting myself up for, and, and yeah, you, you too, I suppose. Um, but yeah, hopefully something good will come out of it eventually. For both. I mean, us. we we might accidentally become
0: producers in Doctor Who, like and be, do whatever we want. want. <laughs> I've got yeah. big plans, but oh, God. nobody would want to see my series apart from diehard classic fans. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. Uh, lighten it up a little bit more. Uh, let's talk about yeah. toys. Because you've got a beautiful yes, display behind totally you. Uh, just oh, tell thank me you. Yeah. What, where it started and how it spread. And just will you ever stop? Because I want...
1: Um, okay, yes. So in terms of where collecting and stuff started, my first ever Doctor Who thing, uh, the, the thing that got me into the show, made me aware of the show, was an issue of Doctor Adventures magazine. Uh, which I've still got. It was issue fifty six, had a TARDIS on the cover. And this was in March two thousand and eight, uh, just just prior to the launch of series four. Um, so that's why Doctor Who started for me, and it actually started through the merchandise, I suppose. And then with the figures, my first ever set was the Utopia set. Uh, oh so yes, Doctor yes. In his long coats, Martha Jones, uh, Professor Yana, and the Master generated uh, those four figures, which were. yeah at the time they were were great and loved them and yeah fantastic and it really did just grow from there Um, like getting because the the Matt Smith era was sort of the first time I was there for the start the the opening of it the the start of that era so um, I got you know a lot of stuff from there I got a lot of stuff because they had loads of stock already from the RTD era floating about so um, at the time and then over the years I've picked up that as well um, got into the classic stuff around about 2015, so I came pretty late to that. Ooh. Um, <laughs> yeah, so you've had to spend there's... a pretty
0: penny on getting some of the back catalogue stuff. Ooh.
1: Um, I mean, f- yes, well, I've never sort of, I've never, I've, I've stayed to my own rules pretty well um, mm. in terms of not like going over certain amounts. Uh, like, like there's stuff that uh i missed out on which i i might i might never get i suppose or like i, I could get them but i just i'm not gonna submit to the price on ebay okay. um, like things like the Santaran ships uh the big four packs of daleks and doctors and stuff for you know remembrance yeah, uh, Revel- yeah. Uh, actually i got i got the revelation one but uh, resurrection and genesis and destiny uh don't stand a chance for those um or things like the the Emperor da- Emperor Davros and, and destroyed Imperial Dalek stuff like that. Um, but having said that, I mean, yeah, like the classic stuff. I'm pretty pleased with where it's at, and like the the collection as a whole as well. Um, but yeah, like there are some gaps. Like, I mean, at the moment, I'm sort of not like with any particular um, impetus or anything. But like, I'm sort of going back and just filling in gaps in the rtd era little variants and stuff so like every now and then i pick up a variant that I, I didn't have uh just to just to plug a little gap um, how many
0: variants though because with martha there's two variants one which has slightly different makeup and you can barely tell the difference <laughs> where do you draw the line
1: the, is that just on the um with the pink coat and yeah the, yeah the jeans? yeah oh, right now i i <laughs> no <laughs> no don't do stuff like that i mean like, oh, I did, back in the day, I got the second Professor Bracewell variant, just with the black glove.
0: Um, oh, yeah! That was so weird.
1: Yeah. Did it? I, I, like, yeah. To be honest, now, I, I probably wouldn't do that, or I'd do that as a last resort. But for some mm. reason, that was high on my list of priorities. But no, now, I've got a list. I, you know, I, I know what I'm missing, and there's certain stuff which... Um, Again, like certain variants and little tiny variants and things, I I probably won't have a get just because. Like at the end of the day, there's only so many David tenants you can have, or whatever. And like, um, like, at the end of the day, you you want it to look nice on the shelf as well. You don't want to kind of overload it with just loads of the same figure or something. So um, yeah, no. But I mean, having said that, actually, so I think everything I'm missing from the from New Who, apart from, apart from the Reaper. Uh, Captain Jack and his long coat, and uh, I think there's another one. But there's only like two or three that are actually new sculpts. Oh, Banakafalata, I think. I think it's just those three, and everything else I'm missing is just like a sculpt that I already own, but just in a different colour, <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> with a yeah. different head or something. Um, so, yeah, that, that's where I'm at with that. But in terms of whether I'd ever stop, uh No. Is, is the short answer for that. I've sort of seen this with, I've got two younger siblings um, and with my younger sister, like she's currently going through different phases and things. Like she's been in a massive, like gone through a massive Ariana Grande phase and she's sort of starting to come out of that and going into other stuff like K-pop and things. <laughs> and like, I don't know, I, I it hadn't really struck me until I, I'd seen that happen to someone else like younger than me that, it's really quite extraordinary that, or maybe it isn't. Maybe I'm maybe I'm just clingy and stuck to Doctor Who and have never let go. Um, but mm. I don't know. I, I think it's quite rare to like to still like to have become a fan of something so early and so like have got toys for something and for them to still now be sitting on my shelf. You know, with me age twenty now, and I, I still like they still have value to me. Um, right, it, like yeah. Doctor Who is just like run right through. Like, uh, there's, there's obviously there's, there's variants and things that I've the um, like old figures that are tatty now and I've replaced. But like a vast majority of like the RTD and Matt Smith ones behind me are they started off as toys that I got as as a kid, and they've sort of become like collectors items. Like, but it's it's run through as a constant. Like, that I've never sort of waned away from it or or anything. So. Yeah, I I think that is quite rare, and you know, for better and for worse. I mean, I'm I'm sort of in it for the for the long haul now. Like it's in terms, I I guess in terms of the amount of stuff I've got, but not just that, but also just in terms of the emotional investment I've got in the show. Like um, I couldn't ever let it go. I I couldn't ever like become a, a not my doctor or something and just um, you know just 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 say oh not for me anymore.
0: One figure, one figure, which I'm going to ask whether you have, uh, well, I'll start off with the question, which is the rarest Matt Smith uh, era figure?
1: Uh, oh, the Amelia Pond Dog 2 Experience figure. No. Isn't it?
0: Like, no, no. Well, I mean, I don't know. Uh, Released, mass-produced figure, let's say, not exclusive because it okay. doesn't really count.
1: Oh, I I see. Um, uh, I need to look at them now. Gosh.
0: I'm going to give you 10 seconds to figure out the rarest single card release. 10. Um nine. I mean, eight,
1: I'd, I'd like to suggest Sideman from series 6, is it that? Yeah, you're right.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yes, it's uh, that. That's the rarest uh, one. Do you have it?
1: I do. It is it's not on the shelf there actually, but it's uh it's right high up on my tiles placed up there. Uh I do have it. Although oh, god, that was a <sighs> Interesting story with that figure because I I got it and uh, like on eBay or something a few years back and I was really pleased and then it arrived with there was something wrong with the face and so I actually had to like get a Stanley knife and take oh, out no. the <laughs> just like the bit with the um, like the eyes, yeah, and the the eyes of it
0: yeah
1: yeah yeah I had to yank that out and stick it back in because it wasn't aligned properly so that was a bit of a nightmare <sighs> um, but yes I do I do have it it's a nice figure although. Compared to the other Cyberman figures, there's not a whole lot of difference. But I, I, I know it's like one it. thing.
0: <laughs> it's just the chest plate, and it's it so it? so yeah. hard to get. It's ridiculously yeah. hard to get. I mean, I've got yeah. one, luckily boxed, because mm. I was in London when uh, the sci-fi collector shop. They'd just uh, got yes. that wave. They'd got that wave in, and I was like, yeah, I better get it before it goes. Uh, I think that was the only one left or something. And uh, mm. God, I think the last one sold for about sixty quid in box. Oh wow. It's insane. And I'm so glad I got it when I did. But I can't army build. Mm. <laughs> I know, because they're so hard to get. Uh... Um, and the white shirt, white shirt Matt Smith as well. That one's mm. very hard to get as well. And I well, got that, that one I as well. I think
1: actually, yeah, I got that re- well, recently, a few years back. And I think actually, when I got it, I was then told by people on Twitter that, oh, it's not as rare as you think it is. I think um,
0: that, boxed. It's hard to come by, but uh, it's one of the cases where a lot of the Chinese factories um, had a lot of stock left over, and then uh, right. uh, like just yeah. distributed it and made it readily available. Yeah. Uh, like the Axon um, humanoid figure, that yes. was another one of those oh, which God. you can yeah. pick up really easily. Um, mm. But yeah, I like always do those, those listings
1: on <laughs> on eBay, and I'm I'm always a bit suspicious of them <laughs> I don't know i I yeah. guess one day i should I should perhaps just buy one and see see how it comes see if if you could tell the difference, but I haven't risked that yet.
0: What is next for character options because i'm I'm in that place where I'm a little bit oh. annoyed because they're no longer a toy company, well obviously character options are a toy company, but you know what I mean the dot two stuff it's not toys, it's not uh marketed uh really as a mass appeal because, yeah, I mean, I've kind of gone off that idea because toys are what started the whole obsession and I would love it to go back to the roots of it being more interactive, more playsets, more colourful accessories, you know, that kind of stuff where it's just a lot more appealing Mm. and they lost it. I think in the Capaldi era, they tried with like the um, orange and blue packaging. But the figures they were coming out with because oh, yes. series six was very dark and sombre, mm. it didn't match up, and I think that's kinda of what killed the the character options line, the three point seven five inch range.
1: In fact, actually I was um I was watching your video of the prototypes that you have from the three point oh, seven yeah. five inch yeah. range. Yeah. They're really good, aren't they? And it didn't yeah. yeah. And the packaging as well. It didn't strike me until I saw those two packagings side by side. Um how Awful, the yellow one. <laughs> yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> well, I, I, I always, I always sort of tolerated it, but I, I don't know. I, I guess for kids, maybe like in in theory, maybe it works. But as you say, I think they lost. I mean, I guess the the main one like everyone says is that they sort of lost it. Um, sort of after David Tennant left, or it kept going a bit into like series five, didn't it? And then mm. series six, sort of time is is when. Things took a different direction, um, and then, I mean, looking back with the the launch of the three point seven five inch stuff, that did at least kind of get into supermarkets or like Argos or whatever. Like, it got into shops a, a bit more than it. And then nowadays, they just they aren't even trying to to do that because, like, even the the mass market wave from Series Eleven and Twelve just. I, mean, I guess at the same time, because COVID hit, I and mean, you can't really get it out yeah. about out there anyway, into shops and stuff. But, um, yeah, at the same time, that felt like a very sort of exclusive... Uh, almost exclusive thing, didn't it? Because like, it's not something you could just pop into Tesco and pick up.
0: I mean, I just find um, it a bit weird how um, they didn't release Jody with, I don't know, a pating or something? Even if it's not hmm. articulated, it's like a, a hollow thing. It's a thing you know, it? like a yeah. cheap thing to make. I, do- I really don't understand... Uh, Mm. the business decisions to be honest because if Chibnall's trying to push these new monsters surely there would have been like a a meeting with the merchandising team uh, and all this and and in the style guides and stuff and it just feels like when that wave came out of four figures was it it felt very underwhelming like okay Graham's just a Stephen Hart with a a Graham (laughs) head and he's not even Uh... the right height or build Mm. Uh, the Dalek is good, but if you want to get into the nitty gritty of it, it's not very screen accurate. But there uh, it's a toy. So, oh god, just knock my earphones out again. That's going in the outtakes. Um, yeah. Um, and where, where are our where are our defense drone Daleks? Like, where where are they? I I don't
1: know. It's I love sad, that design. I mean, there I was a tweet one. going around recently from someone who had made like a Woolworths mock up. Um, mm. With like Jodi-era stuff in, there's like a set of like three defense drone Daleks and three Death Squad Daleks, like, and I that would never happen. To be honest, it's six Daleks in one pack, but never. Oh no, like even I wouldn't buy that. Something like that, um, or like remote control. I think they had a mock-up of remote control, uh, like a twelve-inch one. Well. Yeah. Um, yeah, a twelve-inch would be great, or even just five-inch, or just just anything like that. And again, I think it's just sadly it's just uh down to the state of things and where we are. Like if the Defence Drone was the design like when the Daleks came back in two thousand and five then it would have been treated very differently in terms of the merchandising. Um so it's sad. And yeah, I like you, I mean I I want to see all that stuff as well. And like where's our second series like second Jody wave? We've had one wave and where's the next? Um and like with all the all the B and M stuff as well. Uh, yeah, it, it is just that collector market now, isn't it? And I guess the thing is with them is that they're probably sort of clinging on to things a bit because... But at the same time, like, from doing that from a financial and business, like, perspective, at the same time, it's sort of in our interests for them to, like, keep the licence because if they lost it, then that would be it for, like, this this range and we'd never kind of... Well... I suppose we'd never go back to that unless like, a company specifically chose to do that, like with the scale and the detail and everything, and the start yeah. of the figures. If um, you could choose
0: a toy company, though, mm. what would it be? Because i choose Jack Specific, because they Ooh. linking it to, to Sonic, but they've completely got the market. They know exactly what the fans and the general audience want. Whereas I feel yeah. character options have just got the fans down, and people yeah. in the general audience don't bother picking up a thirteenth Doctor box set. Uh, so I want well, Jack um, specific to take it over.
1: I mean, I'm not savvy at all with any of any other companies, to be honest. Um, so I won't, I won't show myself up there by trying to suggest someone. But um, yeah, I know what you mean, and I, I think. Hmm. Cause obviously, like you say, it did start off as a toy line for kids, and it is sort of like clinging on for dear life a bit now. I mean, not that we don't still get cool stuff, but um, I don't know if we'll ever kind of get back to the where we were in those early days in terms of the new sculpts and things. And what's it, okay? What's what's the
0: best figure character I've ever made? Hmm.
1: Um, I'll figure set or look. something um, oh gosh there's so much choice I mean just off the bat um, the Victory of the Daleks set was one that I always liked as a kid I always thought that was pretty bonkers and the, the fact that we'd got a Winston Churchill is like yeah. his, his rotocast legs uh, and the iron sides were always really nice, so so that was great. Um, oh goodness, I don't know. I mean, I I loved. In terms of the new series stuff, I think the standout has got to be like some of the monsters, like even though like not, they're not like individual standout figures or sculpts necessarily. Like stuff like just looking at my shelf, like stuff like the, Sontarans or Ood or Weeping Angels, or whatever or. Silurians. Um I I just long for the days when we we get monsters again like that that you can army mm. build and just
0: Yeah.
1: It's so sad that we don't get that anymore.
0: I mean I kinda of think that they would my my pitch would have been for them to have done what they did with the three point seven five inch uh mm. subwave. You know when they uh, released like the Heritage line? Where you could have David yes. Tennant, a uh, classic Dalek yeah. and Capaldi all in the same line? I do think there is kind of like an appeal in that kind of sense because it allows the line just to be a bit more colourful, a bit more eye-catching, uh, just uh, just a bit more engaging. Uh, yeah, yeah. Because I mean, if you made a figure line of series nine, then is there anything stand out from series nine which you could have got <laughs> the the cat creature oh. from the woman who lived. <laughs>
1: Oh, mate, well, maybe. Uh, the Meyer I think, would have been pretty cool. Yeah, that would have been that pretty was, cool. That like was a like deluxe
0: the, thing. That would be really awesome. That, yeah, because that was like yeah. the,
1: the one monster they were pushing that year in terms of the marketing I guess, wasn't it? And, mm. um, but yeah, no, I, I know what you mean. Like spicing it up a bit, like mixing it up a bit mm. would be good. And, and that is what they tried with the 3.75 inch range. It's just a shame that it was not the 5 inch range. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know where they go from here really because, like, if they genuinely are doing as much as they can, then I guess we either just accept that this is the best they can do now in the current climate or risk, like, the license. Like the alternative would be for the license to go to someone else, I guess. And I mean, I'm not knowledgeable enough to know, like, how that would work out, but it, it would mean starting from scratch like we did have to do with the 375 line uh, and a lot of people hated having to do that debate, yeah So
0: nobody would want to take over the dot who license though that's the, that's a the sad thing because of kind of the state that the fandom kind of has been in i don't really think <laughs> that license holders would really see much potential to be honest which is quite oh, It's very sad
1: i mean yeah The the time will come one day. I mean, I sometimes think to myself, if you imagine you were, like, a viewer of the classic era, like, when the classic era figures came out, I mean, how many years did you have to wait to get your Tom Baker, uh, Peter Davison, Colin Baker, Zygons... Yes, Peter Davison and Colin Baker.
0: 2008, wasn't it? When they actually got Mm. a figure.
1: Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. From broadcast, you're having to wait, like up to well like 30-40 years for those (laughs) and so I just I guess my hope is that like 34 or 40 years from now I mean who knows where the state of toys and stuff is going to be in collector markets and things but just imagine that'd be so great if they revisited some of these new series once they're classic and it probably wouldn't be character it'd probably be someone else by then 30 years time whatever but um, yeah hopefully in the future these characters and monsters and things can get the figures they always deserved to have. I mean, albeit in some different range with some different company and you know, they probably won't be in scale with this lot, but you know, like, hopefully something. Once once this current stuff is is old enough for people to get nostalgic for, hopefully mm. they'll 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 see value in it. And, and there will be value in it, hopefully.
0: I mean speaking of nostalgia, what what piece do you really character options book or anything dot mm. two merchandise related, what what do you look stop and look at and go, oh I remember the time where this was the best thing in the entire world and it still is. <laughs> what what is that?
1: Um Oh gosh. I mean Ah oh dear. I mean well any of this to be honest, like, I still get so much pleasure from, from like seeing all this now, like especially looking at like the Series 4 wave, because that is when I got into the show. And I think it's a great wave as well, because you've got so many colours in it. You've got the, the blues of the Santarans, you've got the red of the Pyroval Priestess, the yellow of the Vespiform, like the greens and purples on the Hath. It's such a colourful wave, and there's so many different monsters and creatures there. Um, so, yes, yeah, seeing those and like having... Bought like new because I I used to have like old tatty Oud figures like the Oud Sigma and the Natural Oud. So I've replaced them more recently with newer, fresher, crisper versions. And just opening those up again and seeing them on the shelf, you know, without any paint scratches or bashing around from when they've been played with. um, Yeah, yeah. That really recaptures it and it's so nice. Yeah, it's a great (laughs) feeling to, to, to open those again and see them displayed on the shelf. Um, but I, mean, I yeah I mean anything. I guess like any of that old RTD era or sort of early Matt Smith era merch, um, does it for me? Like um, one of the most recent things I've been going back and getting some of is the Micro Universe range, uh, or even the, the oh, card yeah, ranges, yeah. the ba- battles in time stuff. Um, no, Did I've you thoughts, ever get Supergos? Like, Oh no, unfortunately.
0: No. Not. I got two. That should tell me how much oh, wow. I bought. <laughs> yeah, I kinda wow. flooded my house with battles in time cards. Yeah.
1: At the time or more recently?
0: No at the time. At like, the time. Uh, wow. There'd always be a bribe from my parents if I did my homework or something. Like, oh you can uh, have a packet of battles in time for uh, doing your work.
1: Oh wow. uh, and I remember yeah.
0: the day I got Super Rose was it was the best day of my life and it's never gonna get topped. I don't care what happens to me. <laughs> I mean I could have a family with oh, uh, yeah. like three kids and stuff, but it's never gonna top the <laughs> super ups <rough>. um yeah, <laughs> oh, I was walking home from uh oh, I'll censor this out because I don't want to give away where we live. I mean, it's your typical second hand game shop um but over the counter it's like, oh, can I please have a packet of invaders' cards, please uh that kind <laughs> of thing and um I remember opening it and uh, the first thing was cameraman, you remember the card cameraman in the invader set?
1: Oh, I do, yes. Invader, yeah.
0: I I turned it over, like, oh, I've got that. And then there was another cameraman. I was like, hang on, something's not right here. And then turned it over. And then all more commons and stuff I already had turned over. And gold. I've done it. (laughs) I've achieved my lifelong dream of owning Super Rose.
1: Oh, wow.
0: And I remember the time I went to Superdrug, which is no longer there. Uh, there was a Devastator uh, pack of cards, and it was, I tell no lie, it was about that... Th- hang on, you can't see my... About that thick. There are about 25 cards in it. and ah. um, I, sh- I should have just left it as like a-, a mysterious collector's piece of 25 cards <laughs> in a packet. It was absolutely nuts. And wow. I've just got so much nostalgia for those cards, so I think that's probably my answer. But like, the, the one thing which... is like a halo just above it whenever I open the book, like, oh... That's oh, my God, thing. Yeah. I mean, yeah,
1: I I would sort of give anything to sort of just go back into a, like go back in time, go into a shop like around that time of the RTD era, and just um, it's all those oranges of the packaging and the reds. It's just ah, oh, it's so they just got it right. Just, what did, just, I don't just understand just what everything. it was
0: they got right. Like why does it work so well? Like looking at my David Tennant hmm. figure from the first wave, it's just. It's so good. It's so mid 2000s. I love it. Yeah.
1: No, it's just yeah. great. But also, I'll add something else to there as well, actually. All that merchandise, but also um, taking it back to the Docs Who Adventures magazine, I sometimes think to myself, because I've still got all my issues of them, but they've got like across the front covers, they've got like marks from where the tape has been torn off. Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah, I know. I that. just like.
1: Yeah. I would love to be able to like have like experience them as new again, Um, you know, like have fresh copy like fresh copies of them and and recapture that feeling because that was always the highlight of my week that magazine. Uh, I I loved it so much and and still have got a lot of love for it. Um, Yeah, I mean, that applies to all of them really because like as the years go on, all this merchandise, there's still a lot of old stock out there on eBay and stuff, but, like, the colours are slowly fading on the packaging. It's all getting a bit older, and, like, you can sort of recapture it to an extent, uh, but nothing will ever recapture seeing it new, like, brand new, on the shelves.
0: Okay, I'll round it off with the last question, which uh, I ask all my guests, because I'm just that guy. The paradigm. Explain to me... Your stance. Explain to me your stance, and uh, oh, I've, I've got should to they and get return, one go get one. I'll get the drone.
1: There we go.
0: I will say the drone is probably the ugliest one. Oh, do you think? Yeah, I don't like how bright the red is. I think it should have been more like the Series 4 Supreme. That kind of... Oh, yeah, I, not, I quite, guess not quite I burgundy, that, but a, a, a yeah. little bit darker red.
1: Do you prefer the metallic one?
0: Uh No, I I actually think the the metallic ones are hideous. It's worse. Uh, oh, yeah.
1: really? Oh, yeah. Wow. Which is, I don't know, it's
0: like when... Uh, I don't know, if it's just because they were shot really badly, but they just don't... I think in Asylum they looked okay, but when you saw them in, like, um, the Five-ish Doctors things and, like, the script read-throughs and, like, the Anton Deck um, thing when they were at the BAFTA or whatever it was, they, they, they as a paradigm defender, they look really ugly in burgundy red like a metallic burgundy and Ah. i i I love how they look in their original colors i don't i never saw the issue
1: Mm. yeah i don't know really i i guess i always thought in my head that the metallic ones worked better i guess because that was just the general consensus but as you say i do actually think the original color scheme especially to be honest, especially when they look when they're next to each other, I don't see the issue with like pe- that where people say, "Oh, it's the rainbow Daleks or tie or whatever." But I think they complement each other for pretty nicely when they're when they're all together, um, or even just in different combinations, like um, you know, to allude to, to the video you did about them recently, the the fan ownership thing. Um, like when they're in the video games or the, the comics, or whatever, when you've got loads of these next to each other. Um, but yeah, no, to take it back to the question, um, I'm definitely for the paradigms rather than against. Um, okay. And I do wish they'd done more with them. I mean, it's simple as simple as that, really. Um, I wasn't really... I guess because I sort of was probably a bit too young when the episode went out to be in tune with the sort of discourse surrounding them properly. Mm. um, Like, as to what actually happened, like, obviously, I, I get it now. And, but, um, yeah, so I, I guess at the time as well, but because of that, I didn't really, like, the fact that there was this perceived issue about them probably didn't even occur to me. Because um, I just wasn't on Twitter or reading, you know, forums or whatever. Um, so, yeah, I mean, in those early Matt Smith era days, I mean, yeah, these, these were the Daleks, and certainly on a lot of the early merchandise and the magazines and things, I mean, this is what they, they pushed and, and they went for it, and I just w- wish it had uh, continued because although they're not perfect, um, they they do have a nice charm about them. Uh, that. They are their own thing. The the bronze ones are great, but this design is great as well. Um. Yeah, I, I don't know what else I can say really. I, I just I, I I I don't get the the hate for them. To be honest, I don't get it.
0: <laughs> no, 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 no. So uh, yes. Thank you very much, Richard, for joining us for this discussion about. I don't really know. I just kind of wanted to experiment <laughs> with no structure and see where it ended up and uh, yeah it's deep on, some on places, topics. so it has,
1: worked, it yeah. has. <laughs> and, well uh, thanks for having me yeah it's been great great to be here great to have a chat um, cool yeah cool. really awesome
0: oh my headphones fell out again so thank you very much for watching guys and we'll see you in the next one